What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to Chapter 215 of the QAnon Anonymous Podcast, the Q Deposition and Elon Musk's Motives episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rakatansky, Julian Fields, and Travis View. 2023, first episode of the new year. Yeah. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. While the mainstream press bothers itself with a struggle for speakership of the House of Congress and Brazilian ex-presidents wander Florida drugstores in a disoriented state, we choose instead to whiff a bouquet of shittier stories, like Jim Watkins' deposition in front of the January 6th committee and the ongoing debates around the so-called Twitter files. For those who joined us recently, Jim Watkins is the owner of 8chan, now 8kun, the message board where Q continues to post sporadically. Him and his son are also the prime suspects when it comes to figuring out who's behind the mysterious poster that birthed a conspiracy theory movement still coursing the veins of the American body politic. As for the Twitter files, we're going to be exploring how billionaire Elon Musk, who purchased the social media platform last year, has been faring as its steward in uh, what I can only describe as a self-made storm. It's like (laughs) he hired an entire Hollywood cast to, like, make his life hell, and then he's like... Boy, we gotta get this ship to shore. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we'll check if he's been having a good time at that. And to help us with exploring Elon and his beautiful Twitter, we'll be speaking to Charlie Warzel, a staff writer for The Atlantic who's been studying these shambolic developments, including private exchanges Musk's been holding with a motley crew of right-wing weirdos, tech mutants, and culture war freaks. 2023 promises to be a year packed with bullshit. Uh, but before we get into all that, let's let's hear it. What kind of resolutions we got, um, boys, for this year? Well, I made a list. Yeah, you you walked into the house and pretty much told me you're like quitting smoking by May because I'll be. I don't want to say yeah. it out loud, but you're gonna have the big four zero. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, Acme I'm, Anvil dropped on your head. Yeah, I'm gonna be forty. I'm gonna be forty fairly soon. Uh, do you guys want to hear my list of uh, outs yeah. for 2023? I'm not gonna do ins. I'm just gonna do okay. outs. Just outs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Of course. Just to keep it. Yeah, to keep it negative. <laughs> make sure, that, make sure the listeners don't hear anything positive or uplifting from us. Okay, so out. Feeling less anxiety about my health. Mm. So you're gonna feel more anxiety? No, feeling less. Be not so worried about but it. You're saying that's out. That's yeah. out. Oh my god! Well, you I fucked up the format of out no. on the first one. Well, you okay. mean you mean uh, that anxiety is out and less anxiety? Yeah. Anxiety, is in. anxiety is out. Yeah. Less anxiety is in specifically about my own health. Okay. Hell yeah. Number two, out. Saying sorry for no reason. Okay. <laughs> it's out. No more Canada. We're abolishing Canada. Out. Late night McDonald's. <laughs> Late night McDonald's. God, I want that one out too. Okay, out. COVID nineteen. It's out. It's out. It's, it's over. So out. It's so out, dude. Okay, out. Dad bods. All right. No more. This what do you mean? Out. Dad bods are out. So you. But what? So what? Maybe I don't for just that me, one. me personally. What does that mean? Like I'm, I'm again on the treadmill. You know. Oh, I'm gonna, you're. Oh, I'm gonna you're moving de- towards. I'm gonna de twink bod. I'm gonna de softify myself. Yeah, okay. He's gonna be a hard chiseled. Twink. Okay. Uh, out for 2023 NBA 2K. It's out. Oh my god. NBA really? Live still in. I feel like I'm at a funeral. <laughs> out. Trying to please everybody. Out. Worrying about what other people think. Damn. Out. Worrying about what I think. 
Okay. Worrying. Just out. out. Totally out. Just worrying out. He's reading this out of like a pink diary that has a little key. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me lock it back up. <laughs> Till next year. <laughs> Till next year. Till ne- dear diary. Well, see you in one year. Those are qu- yeah. Those are those are good outs. Good resolutions. Whatever you want to. Dear diary, my dad bod is still well in effect here in 2024. <laughs> another night of McDonald's. <laughs> another another night of McDonald's runs by. Oh. Another game of NBA 2K flashes on the television. What about Travis? Is it to start recording in like different uh, rooms of the house? Because right now he's in his living room. Yeah, yeah. I had to had to change my operation. We're getting some storms here in California, and I think they're screwing mm-hmm. with our Wi-Fi. Because I had to it normally it was not coming into where I usually record. I had to move my entire operation uh, closer to uh, my router. So, but. Um, other than getting my Wi-Fi fixed, I don't know, I'll probably work on uh, <laughs> appreciating the fact that this year my uh, my daughter is actually graduating from high school, so I'll probably, you know, uh, spend more time uh, in light of the fact that, uh, you know, I don't really get to choose how much time you have with your kids. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. so we're going to do that. So Travis is going to have more time on his hand. It is so over for you, bitches. (laughs) Yeah. You know, this guy, this guy was trying to get us back to work early this year. Hey, if you're trying to peddle some bullshit, if you're trying to peddle some lies or some some conspiracies, you're fucking out for 2023. We have unleashed the hounds. (laughs) (laughs) Disagreeing with Travis, out. (laughs) Disagreeing with Travis, out. Full agreement 100% of the time. I can count count on it. Fucking right. I don't know. I'll, I think I might wind up um, uh, using any spare time I might acquire, sort of wandering aimlessly in the woods and taking pictures, which I put on my Instagram. So that's yeah. good. You can check yes. that out at uh, what is it? Is it Strain Photography? It's, yes, it's Logan Strain Photography. Logan Strain Photography on Instagram. Mm-hmm. If you're on Instagram, check it out. There's some there's some really cool yeah. shots, some really oh cool drone God. footage on there. I like it. Uh, so this is where we're at. We're we're saying stuff like oh, out caring and like fucking <laughs> yeah. sharing our instas. Yeah, sharing yeah, instas. Sharing this is a new year, man. Yeah, it's, just, it's, let's it's get basic as fuck. You know what? Because <laughs> here's the thing, man. My entire life has been about words and thoughts and you know reason in doing the right thing i got i you know i got an english degree and then i you know i w- worked in basically in tech doing like marketing and writing and content just words 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 uh what i like about the instagram photography is that there's no words just pretty pictures. Mm, wow, it's a lot nicer. You don't even yeah. use. <laughs> there's no even use hashtag. Yeah, no, no captions on his shit. No, you sound no, no, like no, you're no. in palliative care, demanding a book of kittens, dude. <laughs> that's this is fucking that's, sad. That's that's it. I just want things to be easy as I decline. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's the year. 2023 year of palliative care. We're all entering it. Yeah, I'm gonna get Travis a T-shirt <laughs> made that says "Recline as I decline." Well, yeah. What can I say, boys? I mean, I'm pretty much. You pretty much spoke for me. Uh, I'm going to care less. Uh, I'm going to be hopefully mean more. 
Whatever people have been writing I, in comments that annoys them about my personality or the way I treat subjects or speak or laugh, anything like that, I'm increasing. I'm putting up to 200%. Nice. We're fucking going full speed ahead on all the most annoying aspects of myself. Yeah, Julian's right. going uh, to put out a 10-episode miniseries of him just laughing maniacally for 45 minutes for each episode. Yeah, that's right. And I'm going to force Jake to Yeah, laughing there. maniacally about his weird esoteric lefty bullshit. That's going to be, that's going to mm-hmm. really drop so esoteric. <laughs> That's so true. I do, I mean, I just think that the dolphins are part of the story. Mm. I don't have that many esoteric lefty beliefs. All, all lefty beliefs are esoteric in America where you have no left wing. <laughs> You're like, ooh, hidden knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that really, um, that, that, that explains where we're at. We clearly are all decaying. And just, <laughs> I can already feel like the year, we're not even starting it fresh. Oh no! It's we're started... already broken. Yeah, we're it's... just like it's like we're, we're ga- we gathered our broken toys together to throw them out in the garbage. Yeah, today. politics have like reverted back to like how they were in like the 1600s when like it was just like a, a bunch of people like yelling at each other in a room, like le- r- getting up, leaving the room, you know, yelling at people outside, going back in, nothing, get, nothing getting done. I mean, just a co- absolute clown show. Yeah, I I, I kind of. It's so funny to me, that whole situation, just because it's so apparent that nothing good will come out of this, but we are so starved for any kind of stumbling in our enemies that we're just like, yes, look at them. They're in chaos. It's like, the last time I fucking heard that shit, we had Donald Trump within a year. Yeah. The last time I heard that the Republicans were in chaos and would never get it back together, we were about to get fucked hard. (laughs) So I look forward to that. Can you guys explain something to me? How are they allowed to just hold like, like, you know, 50 different votes? Like, does it do they vote and then they go, all right, that one didn't count. Or no, it's like- because they couldn't come to a consensus that, that has a high enough amount of votes to actually elect the speaker. So they just have to keep doing it over and over. But there's no real alternative to McCarthy in terms of like getting vo- enough votes. Yeah. So it's just obfuscation, right? So you just have like six, seven people, whatever, 10 people holding hostage uh, the ability to proceed forward, which I love. Keep doing it. <laughs> keep being a bunch of miscreants. I, I, I just... You know, whatever. I don't. I just hope we see less footage and attention paid to Congress. We should treat it like one of those buildings, like Willy Wonka's factory. Like whatever stuff goes in, we don't see anything, and then nothing and then, ever comes out. And the candy, and nothing ever comes. Out. <laughs> nothing ever comes out. Everybody's get yeah, gets sucked into tubes or like drowns in like I'm strange rivers. I'm assuming Matt Gates is currently drowning in a in a, <laughs> in a lake of chocolate. <laughs> And I think that's that's about as much uh, attention to the situation as I'll be paying. Just <laughs> going through the tubes. I could just imagine him just stuck, just stuck in the tube, yeah. his face pressed up against the glass. My chocolate, ah. my beautiful chocolate. Don't just stand there. Do something. Help, police, murder. So. The January 6th committee. It uh, finally. Uh, boo! <laughs> boo! <laughs> All, right. All right. So, before I finish the first fucking sentence of the first episode of the first year, I get boos. Looking forward to the rest of the year. Just, just boos every single fucking sentence for the rest of the year. All right. So as I was saying, the January 6th committee. It finally ended its work. It produced its final report. It disbanded because obviously Republicans aren't going to stand for that uh, to keep going on. So they so they wrap things up real quick. And uh, <laughs> the the gist is that 
basically like Trump, he didn't have like a single coherent plan for overturning the election. He just kind of like, he had like a bunch of different plans and he was just trying to marshal every resource <laughs> he could to try and stop, uh, you know, basically the uh, results of the election from happening. And the mob that attacked the Capitol to prevent uh, Biden from being certified as president was just the last resort. So uh, the report, I think it's like if you watched any of the hearings, there's no surprises. It provides sort of a chronological overview of the role, of like the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, three percentage gro- uh, groipers, these people, extremists who are who participated in the events of January 6th, including extensive operational planning by Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes, who we've talked about before, and uh, Proud Boys chairman Enrique Terrio. Uh, Rhodes was recently convicted on seditious conspiracy charges related to his conduct, while Terrio and his Proud Boys co-defendants are set to face their own seditious conspiracy charges at a trial in the coming weeks. So the drama around January 6th isn't over, even though the committee is wrapped up. Right. They also talked about the uh, the false slave elector scheme. This is basically where they tried to get a bunch of people who weren't actually electors uh, to replace the legitimate electors, which failed. Um, and uh, also as part of sort of their uh, January 6th committee wrapping up their work, they released a bunch of transcripts of the interviews that they did, the depositions of like major figures. This includes the interview with Michael Flynn, which is honestly kind of useless because he just pleaded the fifth over and over again. Uh, they also interviewed eight coon owner Jim Watkins, which is relevant to my interest. So like we discussed previously, I, th- I think there is compelling evidence that he was, or one of his associates, was involved in the posting of the most recent Q drops in uh, 2022. Uh, but in this deposition, he said that he never had contact with the person posting as Q. So uh, Jake, will you please play Jim Watkins for this Q&A they had at the Capitol? Of course. So are you going to play the other person, Travis, or should I play the other person? You play the other person. Okay. Have you ever had any communication with the Q account? There is no Q account, sir. Sorry, the Q user. I've had communications with a lot of people that said they were the Q user, but I doubt that. Okay, and you've never had any confirmation of who this person is? No, sir. It's not me. Some people say it's me, but it's not me. It would be impossible to be me, because when they started doing it, I was under medical treatment. I was still under medical treatment uh, when I went to see the Congress last time. Got it. I don't quite understand his uh, his alibi here. So, so he, was, he was under medical treatment, but he was well enough to testify to Congress, but he was not well yeah. enough to post as Q. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, they're trying to interview a drunk guy. <laughs> Oh no! I think I'm he, sorry, I, Your Honor. I was too I was too sick to post. I was fucking <laughs> sauced up. It was really strange because in his testimony, Jim Watkins repeatedly called uh, QAnon invention of media matters for America and George Soros. This is not actually not the first time he said this. He's re- mm-hmm. said this uh, previously on his stream. But um, so during the interview, he was asked to clarify this belief. So I had one other follow-up question on the issue of QAnon that we were discussing. You mentioned a couple times that you thought George Soros was funding that. You should bring him in here and depose him. So why did you think he was funding QAnon? He is funding QAnon. It's you, you can, you can go to, I believe it's open. Open Society, I believe, is the name of the company uh, that he owns and funds it. And he funds it. And then he pays companies like the Daily Beast and... Mother Jones and NBC. And if they post his paragraph in their story, they get paid. That's interesting. Why is that? Well, 
because he's promulgating propaganda to get his narrative known. Okay. Because he wants to take over your country and my country. He wants the United States to cease to exist. And what is the evidence for saying, what is that based on? That's my opinion. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> so guys. wait a minute. So, th- so he's basically like, he's like, there is no such thing as QAnon and I'm not him. It's George Soros who created, yeah. like, like c- basically comes back with a another conspiracy. I mean, as usual, he's just yeah. really bad at communicating. But I think what he's trying to get at is the idea that QAnon as like a term and a phenomenon isn't actually um, something that was born of the drops, that this was actually somehow born in the coverage that these mainstream media outlets did of it and their denunciations of it or whatever, their characterizations of it, which is an extremely funny uh, perspective on things by Jim. But it's also perspective that echoes um, uh, QAnon followers themselves, and also one of the Q drops. I said there there is no uh, said there's Q and there are nons, and then there is no QAnon. So like they have this perspective. Yeah, but that's like, like that was that was like patchwork. That was something they applied way later, like a fucking band aid. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like that defined uh, early Q. Like it was you no, know, it did define early talk Q. About... But like I don't think he's talking about early yeah. Q either. But he's, he's I think he's taking the no. same perspective and that like oh Q is just a poster and the people who follow Q are just people who are investigating and researching, so it's no big deal. And then but QAnon as this phenomenon, as this extremist movement, well that is just a made up uh, you know thing by the liberal media and George Soros. Yeah. But but you can't because the the reason that QAnon like first sort of punctured the like mainstream media sphere was because there were people who like mer- you know there was like uh, episodes of violence uh, that could be tied to somebody that had posted or you know subscribed to QAnon style beliefs that's my first memory of it sort of breaking in was once there was kind of like these these sort of like uh, you know real world scenarios where where Q was somehow I, I don't know part of it yeah, I mean, I think he'd argue that those were all like false flag setups yeah. or whatever. But I think when it really, uh, I think, broke into the mainstream was when it showed up at Trump rallies uh, in the form of signs and became known as a kind of, you know, Trump supporter subculture, essentially, mm-hmm. that was yeah. starting to like gain some momentum. So there's no way that the media couldn't have reported on that. So I mean, they tried not to. Yeah. So and then after a while they had to because it just became it became bigger. Yeah. And more people like uh, I guess you know kind of mentioned it or whatever. Um. But I mean they always you know cut loose any of the mentally ill people who take you know violent action mm-hmm. and then mention QAnon. They they never actually say yeah that's true. Like we you know we take responsibility as a movement for that. They just go oh look at them trying to smear uh smear us again. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Jim Watkins also claimed in his testimony that the Q Research Board on 8Kun is not related to QAnon, which is crazy anti-reality bullshit. Like, the majority of Q's posts are on that Q Research Board. Its entire purpose is, like, decoding Q drops and bringing the QAnon community together at, like, the source and coming up with QAnon-related conspiracy theories. But here is how Watkins described Q Research in exchange with the January 6th committee. So this this exchange happened right after they discussed a Q follower who said that Q offered a glimmer of hope for them. So can you describe to me what Q research is? Q research is an image board on Aitken. Is it related to the QAnon theory? No, sir. So when he says in the third full paragraph that Q offered not just a glimmer of hope, but the only glimmer of hope. Can you, 
Can you make it larger, sir? Maybe <laughs> maybe I have this letter. I, I will look. So I guess in the meantime, what is Q Research and why is it called Q Research if it's not related to QAnon? Well, I didn't make Q Research. Q Research is made by the people that are using Q Research. Okay. But it's... Uh, Do you know what it's referring to? Yeah. It's a place where they talk about the current world affairs and... They try to research and find meaning behind things and why they oftentimes post propaganda and how to find their way through propaganda. But you're... It's people researching and looking into things to try and find facts. But it's your contention that it's not related to the QAnon theory. (laughs) The only possible way you could relate it to QAnon is the fact that that's Q Research Board is... The reason that Media Matters and George Soros have invented QAnon is to make it a boogeyman. Mm. God, this makes no sense. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. It's it's a really absurd claim. Yeah. It, this reminds me of that bit in The Simpsons where uh, Milhouse told Bart, he was like, remember you killed my goldfish and you said that I didn't have a goldfish? Why did I have the bowl, Bart? Why did I have the bowl? <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. If it's if it's yeah. if it's not related to QAnon, why is it re- called Q Research, Jim? Why is it called that? And of course, he kind of like he breaks down. He just goes back to the well. QAnon is made up as a George Soros Media Matters thing. That's... It doesn't even make sense. He says the only possible way you could relate it to QAnon is the fact that that's Q Research Board is the reason that Media Matters and George Soros have invented QAnon is to make it a boogeyman. Yeah, it's it's just. Well, they, they've it's, put it, together Q and Anon, and they've made it into something that they can, you know, essentially smear. Ugh, it sounds like they're speaking two different languages to me. But at yeah. least he's about to write Tom Sawyer. <laughs> right. Yeah, so unfortunately, during the deposition, they, I mean, it sounds like the people who are asking the questions tried to press Jim Watkins about some of the really ugly, frankly, genocidal kind of nature of some of the posts that appear on uh, on 8-Kun. And so as a consequence of that, they read aloud some of these posts. And so in his deposition, the N-word appears 13 times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four off from 17. Come on, Jim, you can do it. <laughs> the January 6th committee also released new testimony by former Trump aide Cassidy Hutchinson. Back in June, Hutchinson testified that Marjorie Taylor Greene met with Mark Meadows in Georgia in the lead up to January 6th and told him that a lot of QAnon supporters uh, from among her constituents would be there. So here's what Hutchinson said. I remember Marjorie Taylor Greene bringing QAnon up several times, though, in the presence of the president, privately with Mark. I remember Mark having a few conversations, too, about more specific to QAnon stuff and more about the idea that they had with the election and, you know, not as much pertaining to the planning of the January 6th rally. Miss Green came up and began talking to us about QAnon and QAnon going to the rally, and she had a lot of constituents that are QAnon and they'll all be there. And she was showing him pictures of them traveling up to Washington, D.C. for the rally on the 6th. Now, this is very fascinating to me because uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene hasn't like mentioned Q or QAnon at all publicly since December of 2020, in which she kind of recommended an article from like from Gab about like how the QAnon people are kind of good. But this reveals that like at least privately when she's talking to like other power players in Washington, she's very aware of QAnon. She's talking about them as constituents, as supporters, and she seems to be kind of tuned into the QAnon community. 
Hutchinson also testified that Trump aide Peter Navarro would bring her materials about the election to pass along to Mark Meadows. Uh, Hutchinson said this in her testimony. And at one point I had sarcastically said, oh, is this from your QAnon friends, Peter? Because Peter would talk to me frequently about his QAnon friends. He said, have you looked into it yet, Cass? I think they point out a lot of good ideas. You really need to read this. Make sure the chief sees it. So we have Peter Navarro saying, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know what these good ideas are. So, uh, so Representative Liv Cheney, who is the, the January 6th panel's top Republican, asked Hutchinson whether Navarro was being sarcastic about his QAnon friends. And here's how Hutchinson responded. I did not take it as sarcasm. Throughout my tenure working for the chief of staff, he would frequently bring in memos and PowerPoints on various policy proposals that he would then expand on. You know, Q is saying this. Now, this is kind of baffling to me because Q, I guess, promised the people who believed in it that to provide inside information about what the White House is up to. But here's a guy who literally works in the fucking White House. He knows what the White House is up to. He talks to the people who are doing it. And still he is like, oh, here's this secret source about what, what's really going on. It's like, no, man, you are part of the secret Unreal. cabal running things. I think that sometimes Trump stays up and he goes Q+. It's when he takes some Adderall and, and he writes through the night, he makes some PowerPoints and he sends them to himself in the future where, he, you know, when he won't remember what he did. Mm -hmm. But that's Q. And in order to believe it, he has to send it through AIDS <laughs> yeah. You know, if it comes from himself, he's like, I don't trust it. But yeah. like if it's brought to him on like a printout or whatever, yeah, he launders his own. Ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Smart. So we also have to talk, unfortunately, about the ongoing drama concerning Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. So um, I have already broke down and made a Mastodon account. This is the decentralized competitor Ooh, to Twitter. <laughs> Neither of you. Yes, loser. yeah. So I can be found at mastodon.lol slash Travis underscore view. I have a feeling that I'm going to be alone uh, among my co-hosts being there, at least for a while. That's good. There will be at least one place where Travis can post links to new episodes. If we all, if we're all still alive, Masto, yeah. do not follow him. Um, Masto, don't follow this. If man. I get banned, if I get banned from Twitter, I will wipe my hands. Maybe I'll like stream on Twitch or something. I don't know. I, I, I will wipe my hands of of having to scroll that fucking terrible, terrible website. Yeah, that, that every now sad. and this again like, provides me like a nice smile. Travis or is currently on heroin and Suboxone. <laughs> so. So what really prompted me to make a Mastodon account was Twitter banning several journalists who had criticized him. This includes CNN's Donnie O'Sullivan, uh, New York Times' Ryan Mack, The Washington Post' Drew Harwell. So um, Musk claimed that these journalists had violated his new doxing policy by sharing his exact real-time location, amounting to what he described as assassination coordinates. <laughs> <laughs> so this was all bullshit. None of the band journalists appear to have actually shared Musk's precise real-time location. I don't know. I think it's I think it's dope to think of it as like a hitman and he's getting a side quest and it's like go harass Grimes at a gas station. <laughs> he drives up into the little yellow circle. Yeah. Yeah, that's the GTA mission. So this policy was obviously an excuse to ban the Twitter account Elon Jet, which takes uh, publicly available flight tracking info to document where Elon Musk's jet flies to. And um, this is despite the fact that Musk explicitly said he would not ban that account. Uh, so I called it online the Lolita Express protection rule because the rule as mm. written would forbid you from tracking the movements of a jet owned by a billionaire pedophile, hypothetically. Mm. Yeah, hypothetically. <laughs> 
Now, everything about this has been chaotic. Now, in an especially dumb move, he banned links to uh, competing social networks on Twitter. So uh, a tweet from mm-hmm. Twitter about this policy said, quote, we know that many of our users may be active on other social media platforms. However, going forward, Twitter will no longer allow free promotion of specific social media platforms on Twitter. Free promotion. Okay. And so the banned platforms included like Instagram and Facebook, but also like smaller ones like Mastodon and Tribal, Noster, which I've never fucking heard of, Post, mm-hmm. which is another like small upstart kind of uh, alternative, and also former yeah. uh, uh, President Donald Trump's Truth Social. So very weird. At least now you know all the alternate synthetics that you're going to be on within a year. Yeah. Well, you're going to be on the Mastodon, the Tribal, the Noster. Yeah. Taking a dose of Post every day. I my my conspiracy is that Mastodon will be become like a uh, telegram for liberals that it'll be because yeah. they they won't you won't have any opposition on there whatsoever and and they'll be free to you know run run rampant so that policy of like banning other social media platforms that lasted less than 24 hours and um and then <laughs> and then musk said in a tweet that quote going forward there will be a vote for major policy changes my apologies won't happen again so he uh-huh. followed this up with a Twitter poll asking if he should step down from the head of Twitter. And this closed with 57.5% of the vote saying yes. Now, despite that, he has not stepped down because Musk is a bullshitter. He just says things, you know? And it's like, I, this is why I hate mm-hmm. reporting about, like, Musk says that he's that so-and-so is going to happen. Maybe he's lying. Maybe every, not everything is coming out of his mouth is a truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also want to mention that uh, the Washington Post asked Elon Musk about QAnon, and his response via email was, LOL. Nice. Yeah, that's good stuff. LOL, Washington Post. Yeah. (laughs) Now, before we uh, talk to our guest, I have to touch briefly on the Twitter files. Now, this was this is a series of internal documents from Twitter that Musk released to a handful of journalists and authors. Now, so far, those who have had access to the Twitter files are Matt Taibbi, Barry Weiss, Lee Fong, Michael Schellenberg, and David DeWig. So these documents, um, you know, they cover a bunch of topics related to Twitter's moderation processes, including the uh, supposed what they call uh, sort of like the moderation of certain users, Twitter's response to the January 6th attack, uh, decision to ban former President Donald Trump from the platform and uh, communications that Twitter has had with like DHS and FBI. Now, I think it's helpful to remember that the first batch of the Twitter files were hastily released, and they were clearly released in response to the fact that Kanye West, after returning to Twitter, was banned again um, after doing after he couldn't stop doing Nazi shit. <laughs> yeah, so clearly what happened was that is that yeah, Elon Musk said, we're bringing back Kanye West, we're a free speech platform again, and then all of a sudden it just blew up in his face. Absolute disastrous. He just did this awful business, and then he was forced to ban him again uh, for doing Nazi shit. And so he had to change the subject very quickly, and so he very hastily uh, tried to get uh, Matt Taibbi to do the first of the Twitter files. Now they've been like eight or so, so far. Yeah, I've stopped following it, and that's of sad. Course. I feel like there could be an interesting story there, it and is. I don't it's care. It is. so anymore. fucking I mean, aggravated, because there is obviously, I, I, I think it's wrong to dismiss this as a nothing burger. It's right to sort of say that this is a political project from Elon Musk to try and sort of endear himself to the right and sort of demonize liberals and try to demonize pre-Musk Twitter. But, I mean, if anyone was given access to the internal communications regarding Twitter, you could find something substantial there. Yeah, and we also, a lot of the stuff that is interesting about it, we've already talked about um, in the last few years. I mean, I know that we haven't like covered it extensively, but 
we've spoken about how intelligence agencies are involved and, uh, you know, kind of integrated into these social media companies and how they work, you know, hand in hand with, you know, these private companies to draw ban lists and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I guess we could have made more noise about it. But like, yeah, this is was not exactly news to me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, reading through it is is aggravating because it's like I think it's like some of the things that they that they post is clearly just like internal moderation, which is innocuous. Other stuff is it talks about like for example, uh, like Lee Fogg had an article for the Intercept about how the um how Twitter and the Pentagon look work together for uh, basically a propaganda campaign, which is really fascinating. But other stuff um was I don't know. It's like so in order to like really sort of get the gems of the muck you have to like read through it and doing work and by the way twitter threads with no editor is perhaps the worst way to report on news items he, he could have done this mm-hmm. the right way if he gave a shit i don't think he actually gives a shit if he could have like had he could have like you know taken his time and had like a team of people working on this with lawyers and editors and people who put it in a nice package and a multi you know multi article report and to really emphasize the sort of the substantial elements that might be uh, revealed about like um, what was going on inside of Twitter because it's obviously some elements of it are newsworthy but he didn't do that he just sort of like you know he wants he sees this as a way to promote new Twitter more than a way to actually promote transparency. Yeah, and also, if he cares so much about the intelligence agencies, which I doubt he does, he would be, you know, confronted with his own conflicts of interest. He has relationships uh, with these entities and contracts with uh, the Defense Department and stuff like that. So, you know, I think that making this kind of a messy, obvious, uh, it's if anything, like, it kind of almost discredits the very real stuff that's being revealed, right? It's like, this is a mess, and so, hey, you're only going to really be paying attention to this if you're some sort of right-winger or whatever and then people will just kind of mock you in the media for being paranoid or whatever yeah but, yeah it'll get written off yeah, as some like right-wing op not worth yeah. looking at or disinformation or whatever and which is kind of i mean it's a form of limited hangout where you're like here here's some selected information on this like bigger uh scandal or should be scandal and we'll give you just chunks of it and we'll also make it real messy so it's easy to discredit uh which i think is kind of uh you know if you're gonna have this stuff coming out this is uh pretty much how the agencies would like it to come out, right? I mean, it's it's sloppy. To talk more about Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter, we are now joined by Charlie Wurzel. He is a staff writer at The Atlantic and author of the newsletter Galaxy Brain. He was also one of our earliest guests on the podcast. He appeared on episode 35 about YouTube. Charlie, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. So I wanted to talk to you because I think you have an interesting perspective on what the hell Elon Musk and his associates are motivated by, because I don't feel like I'm able to judge whether or not Musk is being successful in his goals with respect to Twitter, because I don't even know what his goals are exactly. But um, you argue that the texts between Musk and other Silicon Valley power players offer a kind of skeleton key into his mindset. Now, first of all, where did these texts come from and why are we even able to see them? Sure. So the actual provenance of the text messages is really interesting. We were able to see these messages because uh, Elon Musk got in a lawsuit with Twitter over uh, trying to back out of the purchase of <laughs> of the website. And the board of directors was basically like, they got a great deal on it. And they were like, we're not going to let you do that. Um, so they sued 
it went into this this big thing. And then I, I spoke to a couple of people who like understand this happened in the Delaware Court of Chancery, which is like the, you know, Delaware Corporation business court. And some experts there basically told me that like, these documents didn't have to come out at all. What ended up happening was Elon Musk's legal team decided, supposedly, this is how it was explained to me, to sue for um for these to be unsealed they were confidential there was no reason like twitter wasn't trying to like dredge these up to make fun of elon musk uh, but elon musk's legal team was basically trying to the theory goes tie twitter's legal team up in busy work right and and redact all these having to redact all these files and basically you know like drag them through the mud like you're gonna sue me okay we're gonna you know like do all these you know these stupid little requests but twitter's team was like that's fine if you want to if you want to, you know, unseal all these files, that's great. And so Twitter's team redacted every single piece of Twitter communication, like fully. The pages are just black. There's nothing there. But because Musk's team, like, wasn't on top of the ball there, all these text messages just came out. So this was like a complete unforced error, supposedly, wow. on the part of Musk's legal team. Basically, I think it's like another example of this like classic hubris of like, we're 10 steps ahead of you. You were going to, you know, run legal circles around and and Twitter's lawyers were like, that's that's fine. Um, all this, we'll let all this stuff come out. So just the fact that we can see them is kind of, <laughs> it's, it's indicative of a lot of what happens with Elon Musk. He thinks he's playing like 40 dimensional chess and it turns out he's playing like, Tetris, you know. <laughs> well, and he, you know, a challenging game in its own right. That's <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, regarding the the content of the texts themselves, they're you know they're 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 him chatting with other fellow billionaires, uh, talking about their plans for Twitter, essentially. And you kind of make the point that um, they they kind of like you know they kind of like banter back and forth like normal people, like friends. But at the same time, they behave in ways that reveal that they are totally alienated from normal people. So what do you think sort of these texts reveal about him in the circle of uh, associates? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing, like when these first came out, I I, uh, I scrolled through them like the, that day it was happening. Everyone was kind of reacting to him on Twitter and places like that. And I... And the first thing I noticed was like, wow, like these are these are our visionary geniuses. Like these are these are the guys like they're, you know, sitting there. Um, uh, one of the guys, uh, Matthias Doffner, who uh, owns the media conglomerate or this is the CEO of the media conglomerate, Axel Springer, like sent a text message to Elon, you know, uh, kind of stroking his ego. And he's like, I have a plan for this. We got to uh, step one is to solve for free speech. And it's just like, I mean, you just have these guys who are um they're so their egos seem so inflated here and they just they just seem to think that no task is uh is too difficult for them and so looking through these messages what i kind of what's what's really interesting is that you have a ton of people kind of sucking up to musk's power right they're they're telling him oh you know you're the guy to solve this you can do this you can do this and everyone's really giving him a lot of bad advice you know, they're they're saying to him that they, uh, you know, that that, you know, he definitely has to go along with this. He should go along with it. And um, I think Jason Calcanis, one of his advisors, has this whole idea of adopting a plan where uh, if you pay a certain amount of money, you can just spam DM any of your followers, like just at, at once, like just these terrible ideas to like raise money that go against, you know, the the idea of what Twitter is as a service. And then what I realized when I when I went through the second time is that there's one person in the whole thread that gives him good advice. And it's the current then current CEO of Twitter, 
who basically says, hey, I'm I'm on board. I, I want to work with you. This is all going to be great. You know, we'll talk to each other like engineers. And then Musk is tweeting. He's tweeting something about like Twitter being a terrible product, like right before, uh, you know, he's going to come on the board. And the CEO says, you know, you can tweet whatever you want, but this is not helping us. Like this is not this is a distraction. Like the media is getting involved. Can you stop? And Musk like that changes that one text from the CEO changes the entire course of Twitter's history because within two minutes, Musk texts other people and says, this isn't working. I don't want to deal with this bullshit. I'm going to go try to take the company private and I'm going to buy Twitter. It's like the one time somebody like in his entire phone, like treats him, you know, like an adult and says like, hold on, man, he absolutely freaks out and decides on this, this impulsive decision to buy Twitter uh, and, and, you know, if you look at what's happening now, I mean, it looks like that's going to cost him, you know, billions and billions of dollars in his net worth and, and possibly, you know, even Tesla. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is really, really baffling how like all these people simultaneously, they are convinced that the only reason any problems exist anywhere in business or society is because it, it hasn't been worked on by their golden brains quite yet. And also they seem to seem to believe that anyone who like pushes back against them, who says that maybe you are on the right track is a moron and they need to be dismissed and you need to plow straight through them and just do the most outrageous things that you think of. Um, uh, will solve the problem. I think you talked about this before. It does kind of like, you know, a pop the myth of these people as, you know, genius visionaries who who have, you know, who understand the future and their place in society better than anyone. Yeah. And, and you know, they're behaving to some extent like this makes sense, right? Like it, when they're conducting whatever their business over text and like, I think uh, the writer Matt Levine, like he, he uh, he cited one of the pieces I wrote about this and said, like, well, how do you expect anyone to behave over text? Like, it's kind of a medium that dumps things down. Like, you're you're sort of going to look like a jackass if you're, you know, texting about the future of your company to some degree. And I and I get that, right? Like, the, the format is going to make them look, you know, too casual. But when you look at what is actually happening in these messages, like, you have, you know, you have, uh, there's also, there are a couple of direct messages between Musk and Mark Andreessen, the venture capitalist, where, like, Andreessen's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you like a cool $200 million, like no strings attached. I don't even need to see a plan. I don't need to see anything. Uh, he texts the billionaire, um, Musk texts the billionaire Larry Ellison asking for like $2 billion. He's like, yeah, you got it, whatever you need. Um, there's no like due diligence being done on any of this. There's no like, hey, so what's what's your, like even over text, right? There's no, what's your plan for Twitter? Uh, what do you think you want to do? It's just like, Nah, man, like your brand is good enough. I'm going to do it. And that's why the whole reason I wanted to go back and sort of focus on these messages a couple months after they came out was because like the other character in these texts, like the other sort of looming figure is Sam Bankman Freed. So like you have the two big like tech meltdown stories of the year, like both of the characters are in these messages. And like you have all these people trying to connect Musk and SBF being like, oh, this guy, he's just like you. He's a genius. Like, he's trying to build things. He, you know, he cares about, um, you know, the, the future of, of whatever. He's, you know, he's a, you know, a great effective altruist. And meanwhile, you just see no vetting going on, right? It's like everyone's just, like, repeating what they read on Twitter. 
And it's very easy to sort of understand like, oh, of, of course, this is how you get like, you know, the mythos of Elon Musk. This is how you get the, you know, mythos of Sam Bankman Freed and these like house of cards that just collapse. And like you would think that those two guys like would be able to come up with something like much shadier and like more successful. Like, you know, Elon could have been like, OK, I'm doing Twitter blue or whatever, and you can only pay in like crypto and like this kind of crypto or whatever. And it's a partnership with with SBF. And he could have made like, you know, a bunch of like maybe millionaires like overnight who would then be like, you know, feel forever loyal to him, you know, for for, you know pumping whatever crypto you know they i don't know whatever meme coin or whatever and yet we got the the like dumbest and like most ineffective <laughs> like sort of like version of it which is which is ironic because does wasn't musk quoted as saying himself that like the outcome that usually happens is like the silliest and stu- is stupidest and he I, I don't know he had some some stupid quote like that and it's like well you've done it <laughs> I mean, what's really funny to the, the the first part of that is like I've had a bunch of people try to like who know what they're talking about with finance explain the FTX stuff to me, and from from what they like tell me in their summaries is like the real crime of FTX and and SBF's whole whole thing because he he owned an exchange and a hedge fund should have been just printing money. Like the, like the thing that should have happened is not an implosion. It should have been like front running trading where they just absolutely printed money. Right. And like the whole idea yeah. with something like Twitter should be like, yeah, you could, you know, if you were like the evil genius kind of, you know, billionaire person could be getting all these like adult people, like really extracting the money from them. Right. Like, you know, saying mm-hmm. like, if you want all these communities, if you want access to your followers, sorry, man, four bucks a month, right? Like locking everyone in, not just like the super fans. Um, but they're not even good at like the evil genius part, right? They're just like stepping all over themselves because they seem to just go into these, they seem to have no plan. They go into these things thinking the right people will explain the problem and my brain will come up with the solution. Because I was able to do that maybe in one other instance, right? Or a lot of people have told mm-hmm. me that's what's going to happen. It's this really, really interesting, like, they they created their own marketing. The marketing was successful, but they're unsuccessful because they believe it, right? They wrote <laughs> it, and they believe it. It's kind of, like, I would, I would really almost prefer it if, like, the evidence showed that Elon Musk had a really well thought out evil plan that was very calculated that marshaled his resource in a very focused way and he was acting out of even rational self-interest because if there's a plan and there's like you know there's something you can contend with that you can grasp that but if he's just he's just thinking it's like well i'm just gonna stroll into this multi-billion dollar disaster and just figure it out with my genius obviously i'm a genius look at all the magazine covers i've been on then uh that's harder to reckon with because how exactly do you there's there's not there's no substance there it's just constantly changing this this is why i actually like i kind of uh cringe every time i make the comparison because it sounds just like classic like pundit hack thing to be like elon musk is like donald trump but there is like a very like one just core similarity is that just like that blundering in with no plan but also with no no like no real shame about not having the plan right like there's a lot of people who don't have a great plan but really want to be seen as of knowing what they're doing these guys don't care like they feel that they are above having to care about that and so 
when this is what's bothered me about the media cycle around Elon Musk, of which, of course, I'm a part of it in in a, in a way, um, is that like people quote like media articles quote his tweets and they're like Elon Musk's new plan is X or Y or this and it's like no no there's there's no plan like it's very clear that whatever he says today you know he'll try to spin it if it if it fails you know like oh I was you know it was a trial balloon like he did the whole you know should I step down as the head of Twitter thing and got like the poll was just like such an own goal right everyone was like absolutely step down yeah and he was like ah see I was uh, I was trying to fish out all the bots it's like it's like it's like putting a seventh grader in charge of a company and then having all these like, you know, reporters and people be like, sir, 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 like, you know, wh- why did you make that decision? It's like he's a seventh grader. He's not like going to be able to articulate yeah. why and he's just going to, you know, back backtrack. Yeah. <laughs> this is a school project, you know, like like, uh, Larry, you know, Larry Ellison uh, sending over two billion dollars is like, I don't know, giving, you know, giving like a friend in need like a thousand. But, you know, if you're doing well and you're like, here's man, here's a thousand dollars, like get, you know, get you on your feet or whatever. Like there's no, they, there's no concept of money or or value to anything. So they're just like playing with toys. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it is like Elon got like a new toy, you know, and and it just doesn't really doesn't really care necessarily about what happens with it. He's now he's just got it now. The hard part for me to conceptualize on it, like, really and truly, and I don't mean to say, like, I, you know, I think these guys ha- are are super smart or anything like that. But when you look at the finances of the Twitter deal, like, it, like, legitimately doesn't make any sense, right? Like, there's, you know, like, I think $1.3 in interest that's, you know, uh, being accumulated every year on the loans. Like, I think, you know, you have big investment banks that are like holding a lot of debt on their books and like you know they're going to do it for a little while for elon because you know he's elon musk and like they want to keep a a rich man happy but after a while they're going to be like no no way right um and then like these bills are going to come due like he seems to sort of you know try to like he's like turned on like the you know like the game genie like cheat code thing right like he you know he doesn't <laughs> the rules of gravity don't seem to apply to him in most interactions but this is like like the whole thing is going to turn off and he's going to be like he's going to be on hard mode like the rest of us having to answer yeah. for shit and that's what i think's really interesting like that is the bill is going to come due like we're we're seeing it now Charlie, thanks again for coming on. Pleasure as always. Where can people learn more about your writing? Um, if you just search uh, Galaxy Brain and Charlie Warzel, it'll it'll all come up, all that stuff. And that's where I uh, publish most of my stuff now with The Atlantic. So thanks. Awesome. Thanks so much, Charlie. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. You can go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for five bucks a month to get a whole second episode every week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes, plus access to all our ongoing series. We got Trickle Down 10 Eps Down, we are halfway through Man Clan, and Brad and Jake are cooking up the next little miniseries. Yeah, it's cooking, it's cooking, oh, it's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. Yes, sir. When you subscribe, you help us stay advertising free and editorially independent. And we've also got a website if you were looking for merch, whatever, link to the Discord, that kind of stuff. QAnonAnonymous.com Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy, it's fact. And now, today's auto-cue. General Flynn was on a show recently, and, and he basically 
did a rant against Q and against you know all of this stuff. And again, this this is in line with what Dave just explained. Same idea, okay? There's no way General Flynn is going to go, yeah, you know, I've been thinking about this Q thing and I talked to some people at the top and I talked to the president, talked to Q plus, and, you know, I'm, I'm free to tell you now that it's a thing. Um, he's not going to do that. It's not going to happen. Anybody that knows, anybody that's telling you that they're in touch with Q and that they are in on the operation or that that they know for sure that X is happening and that they have intel at that level, um, that, that no, just no. I'm just I'm well, telling you, step away from those Military people. intelligence for 33 years. Yeah. Most of which involves psychological operations. Anything that Flynn tells you, you have to realize is part of a PSYOP. Which means yeah. there's a very good likelihood that what he's telling you isn't true. And exactly. it's for your own good.